0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Last couple of weeks now, we've been looking at the life of David in particular,
1: with regards to a specific sin from David's life, and that is the sin that many of us are well known, and that is the whole issue of David with his sin with Bathsheba. And really, I've entitled this series, Lust, Lies, and Liberation. We've seen his lust, we've seen how his passions have been out of control, and he takes what is not his, and he sins. We've seen his lies where he tries to cover up his sin. But now we're going to get to the place where we look at the issue today and for the next couple of weeks of the issue of liberation. Because there is a sense in which that when you sin and you try to cover it up, you are looking for and longing for liberation from that which has ensnared you. And lest we think that Well, we're talking about David's sin and his sin of adultery here. I'm not dealing with that, George. So what does that have any application for me? I was reminded this week that about ten years ago, a man wrote an article in Christianity Today reflecting on a great leader who fell, a great Christian leader who fell on the tenth year anniversary of that. And here's the statement that he made. He said, why do we hate this individual so much today in the Christian church? This individual who fell. Why is it that we hate this individual so much? And here's what he wrote, and I thought it was a powerful statement. Because when we see the sin in that man's life, it reveals the darkness in our own souls. And that's the reality. So when we look at David's life, it may not be that you are committing adultery. It may be that there is some other area of sin and you're trying to cover it up But you need liberation. You need to find freedom from what has ensnared you. And what we're going to see today is that we're going to see the first of three different things of where David finds liberation. And today we're going to look specifically at the issue of confrontation. David is confronted about his sin. Now you're sitting there and you're like me and you're like, well man, confrontation, George. I don't like confrontation. I don't like confronting people and I sure don't like somebody confronting me. But my friends, if we're going to find liberation from the things that ensnare us, there has to be a confrontation. So I want you to notice with me the passage. We're looking at verse 1 through verse 15 of chapter 12. And notice with me what the writer writes. In fact, just back up, verse 27 of chapter 11, the last part there. Notice what it says, that phrase. But the thing that David had done... Displeased the Lord. Now, verse 1. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had brought up and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. It was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against this man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this thing shall surely die, and it shall be restored fourfold for the Lamb, for he did this thing, and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. If that had been too little, I would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in His sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and you have killed him with a sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you and from your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son for you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel. Before the sun. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because of this deed, you have given great occasion for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. Wow, what a powerful passage. You say, man, this is the first step to liberation? I don't know that I like this, George. But it is. Sometimes we must experience pain first before we can ever experience healing in our life. Did you hear what I said? Sometimes you must experience pain first before you will ever experience healing in your life. And for us who are seeking the healing of sin in our lives, you and I need to sometimes experience the painful confrontations to deal with it. And so I want you to notice several things here. First of all, as we look at this passage, you might be saying to me, Why? Notice with me, verse 27 of chapter 11, and then verse 1. Notice a couple of things there. Notice what it says. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. Here's a couple of things I want you to see as to why the confrontation has to take place. Why we must be confronted about the sin in our lives. You and I just can't be allowed to get away with it. Why must we deal with this stuff in our lives? Here's the reason why. In David's life it was this. His behavior was unacceptable to God. See, you and I have to wake up. Let's let's wake up a minute for a moment here. Think with me for a moment because we have adopted this viewpoint that because we have forgiveness of God, that somehow I've been given a blank check to do whatever I want to do. And that all I need to do is just ask Jesus for forgiveness and He will forgive me. But my friends, what you're failing to remember is this, is that when we sin, sin at no point ever becomes acceptable to God. It's unacceptable to Him. Listen, I'm going to explain to you how unacceptable it is to Him. It's so unacceptable that He created a place for the wicked called hell that they may burn in eternity there because they've done wrong and would not accept Him. And if that wasn't enough, he sent his own son Jesus to die on the cross to suffer a cruel death that it might be taken care of for those that believe. That's how much God hates sin. It requires death. It's unacceptable to him. But you know what? We get so comfortable, don't we? We get so comfortable doing the stuff that we do. Same old stuff over and over again, same old sins, same old attitudes. And we just kind of go, Oh, hum. God loves me. God forgives me. And yet we forget. Look at what it says in verse 27. Notice what it says. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. What David had done was totally unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. Let me just stop for a moment. Let me be real. Let me be real for a moment. Listen, when you treat your spouse the way that you know you shouldn't be treating them and God tells you to love them and cherish them, Treat them like your own body. Or you treat your children in a way that shouldn't be treated and you provoke them to anger like the Scripture says. Or you're cheating your customers. Or you're cheating your boss. And you just do it like without any thought. Do you think that God just sits back in heaven and says, Oh, well, no problem. It's taken care of. My friends, He finds our behaviors unacceptable. We need to start grasping the reality of that point. We have so desensitized ourselves concerning our own sins that it doesn't make any difference anymore. See, that's what was going on here. David did something that was totally unacceptable and God couldn't just let it go. God couldn't just let it go. And so I want you to see the next thing. Here's the attitude that David had. He thought he was exempt from God's law. You can almost see it. Here's David. He's the king. Listen, it was a custom in that day among the nations that, you know what? Here you are, the king. You see a woman. Who cares if she's married? You just take her. It's your right. You're the absolute ruler. You can do what you want to do because you're king. That was the attitude of the nations around Israel. They could do whatever they wanted to do. And they just thought that they were above the law because they were the law. But here's the problem with David. David's not the ruler over one of those nations. David's the ruler over Israel that's governed by a whole different set of laws that even the king is governed by, and that's the law of God. But David enters into an attitude that he's exempt from God's rules. He's exempt from God's rules. They don't apply to him. But God's got to confront him and say to him, David, listen to me. You're not exempt. My rules are just as important for you as they are for your people. And what you've done is wrong. So we see the why of the confrontation. Why we have to be confronted. Because here's the thing. You and I need to be confronted about the sins in our lives for the same two reasons. Number one, what we do is unacceptable to God. Number two, we're not exempt from God's rules. And that's the why. But I want you to notice now the confrontation that takes place. We see it in verses 1 through 9. Verse One begins with Nathan coming to David and he tells him a story. Listen to the story. There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which he brought up and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children. He ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man, but he refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. And he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Here's what's going on. Nathan is using a classic strategy to deal with David. He presents a story which is basically a parable, but the parable is really telling about David. Why is he doing that? Because the confrontation is doing this. It exposes the depravity of his heart. Listen, when you and I are confronted, maybe it's a loving brother that comes to us and says, look, you're not doing right. The reason why we don't like to be confronted, because when we're confronted, it exposes who we really are. And have you noticed? We don't like to have that part of us exposed. We would like to think that everything is Okay. But what happens is is that everything isn't okay, and so when God brings someone along to us, or when God brings His Word in His in our lives as we read it, and He exposes us for who we really are, we don't like it because why? It exposes the depravity of our own hearts. It exposes the fact that we're just plain wicked. You know, our culture might like to say that everybody's good, but the fact of the matter is, we're not. So it exposes the wickedness, the depravity of our own hearts. Notice something else here. I want you to notice this. David, verse 5, it says, So his anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. He's sitting here as the ruler, executing judgment. Notice what he says. And it shall restore. he shall restore fourfold for the Lamb, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And then notice what it says there. Then Nathan said to David... You are the man. Now, I want you to think about it. Here's David in all of his righteous indignation at this story. And he's ready to just deal and mete out punishment for this man and what this man, supposed man, has done. David doesn't understand. It's just the story yet. And Nathan says, Really? You're the man. Here's the thing about confrontation. Here's what I want you to see every effort to protect self is vain. Notice that's what David was doing in the last chapter when we looked at last week when he was trying to cover it up. When he was trying to cover up his sin, every effort that David had made to try to cover it up, to keep it down... To keep it under cover. Maybe just a few servants knowing what it, about it. But every effort that he made to cover it up was in vain. I mean, imagine it. Think about David there sitting on the throne. Nathan's confronting him. And he says, you're the man. You killed Uriah the Hittite. Can you picture David's jaw just dropping? His heart stopping. When he's confronted with the reality of his sin. Listen, every effort that we try to make in our lives to cover up the junk that we do, it's all in vain. It's all in vain. It's all in vain. Because sooner or later, it comes up. It comes up. It comes up. And it comes back always to haunt us, to always to bite us. I don't care how good you are. And even if you die and you say, well, I've covered it up. One day you have to stand before the great judge and it's revealed even then. It's never covered up. All our efforts for self-protection are in vain. Think about it. You say there's a parallel passage. Go all the way to Genesis. Two people in the garden told not to eat of the fruit. They ate of the fruit. Their eyes were enlightened. And notice what the Scripture says that they tried to do. They tried to cover themselves with what? Leaves. Think about that. Lori, why don't you make a garment out of those maple leaves that fall off the tree? How long is that going to last? Why? Because they're going to turn to dust eventually, aren't they? And there they were in their efforts. And it said in their efforts, they tried to hide from God and cover it. But they can they? No. All our efforts... See, the confrontation brings us to the reality that every effort that you try to make to cover it up, it's in vain. It's worthless. Next thing I want you to see here is this. As we talk about the confrontation... Here's what the confrontation does. It just doesn't sit there and focus on the sin. Because notice what Nathan does. He just doesn't say, You're the man. You killed Uriah the Hittite. Notice what he does. Look with me in verse 7 and 8. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. If that had been too little... I would have given you much more. Here's what confrontation does. He was reminded of the blessing of God. Can I tell you something, folks? When you're confronting someone, just don't sit there and focus on the sin. You need to remind them where they fell from, you need to remind them of what God had done for them in the past. You hear what I'm saying? You need to help them to see where they're at, the depravity of their own soul. And here's what Nathan's doing. Listen, David, David, don't you remember God? He's the one that delivered you from the hand of Saul. Remember, Saul was out to kill you, David. David, he's the one who made you king. David, he's the one who gave you everything as king. David, he said to me that if that was too little, he would have given you much more. He reminded him of the blessings that God was bestowing on his life. Because notice something. Remember David, when he was focused on his sin, what was he focused on? Himself. He was not focused on anybody else but himself. He was forgetting God. And so Nathan comes in the confrontation and he reminds him of the blessing of God. But I want you to notice something. The confrontation reveals something about David. Look with me at verse 9. Notice what it says. Very first thing. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord? Here's the point I want you to see, is that he despised God's Word and authority. Listen, that's what you do when you and I sin. When you and I sin, we make a conscious decision in our lives where we say to God, God, I know better than You what I need for my life right now in this situation. And God, I don't really care what Your Word says here. I'm going to do my own thing. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to do my own thing. And notice what he said to David. David, you did your own thing, but when you did your own thing, you despised the commandment of God. It's like, you know what, if I were to take this Bible and just throw it across the room and chuck it, everybody would be here shocked that I would do that for this. How, how dare George do that? It's the Word of God. Well, my friends, let me tell you something. When you and I decide that it's not worth following in this area or that area of our life, you have done the same thing. You've made it into a football and just tossed it somewhere. You've despised it. You have thumbed your nose at God and said, God, in this area of your life, I don't need you. I'm in control. And that's exactly what David did. And that's exactly what Nathan was telling him in the confrontation, that he had despised the word of God and his authority. But you know what? The passage doesn't end there. It just doesn't end with the the confrontation. It now gives us the implications of what is happening. David is now confronted with the implications of what he's done. And so this is where we're going to spend a little bit more time here. And I want you to listen to me because I told you this last week. Remember last week I said to you, you're going to see a side of God today in this passage that many of you, your minds will be blown away by because you have operated under this assumption that you can just do whatever you want. Jesus died for me. I'm forgiven. So I've got that blank check. So it's okay. But I want you to notice the implications that he says to him. Notice something. And here he is. He's talking to David, a man after God's own heart. And I want you to notice what he says. Look with me at verse 10 through 15. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbors and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. You did it secretly, but I will do this before all Israel, before the sun. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because of this deed, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. Here's the implications. First of all, I'm going to focus on a positive and then I'm going to then focus on the negative. First of all, I want you to notice as David is being confronted, he breaks. And even though the scripture just says, I have sinned, we're going to see in the next two weeks Psalm 51, which comes out of his confession. We're going to examine it even in more detail in the next two weeks to find the liberation there. And the point I want you to see here, the implication is, is that there is forgiveness with Repentance. There is forgiveness with repentance. And what's repentance? Repentance is not just confession, but repentance is a conscious decision to turn from the way that you have gone and turn back to God. To turn from the way that you have gone and to turn back to God. There is forgiveness. Because you might be saying here, well, I'm doomed. No, you're not doomed. God is a gracious and loving God. Quick to forgive. But you need to turn. You need to turn from your sins. David needed to turn from his sins. But I want you to notice the negative connotation. And listen, you and I have to pay attention to this. Here's the implication. The consequences are not removed. I'm forgiven! Yeah? But there's still a price to be paid for what you did. Here's what he said to David. David, because you despise me, because you thumbed your nose at me, The sword will never depart from your house. Adversity will never leave your house. It's interesting. When you go back up a few verses and David reacts to the story, remember what he said? This man will pay fourfold for what he has taken. He will restore fourfold for what he has taken. The interesting thing is, and you can look for it yourself in the Scripture, guess what David paid fourfold? Four sons. Four of his sons died. He paid the price fourfold. But not only did he just pay the price there. Listen to me. You've got to listen to me. It didn't just end there. The consequences. Look at what God said to him. What you have done has caused others to blaspheme God. And because of that, the child will die. Remember now, you saying, is this the same God that I know that forgives? Yes, it's the same God. But I'm going to tell you something. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Sin is a serious thing with God. Let me ask you a question. Is what you're doing causing others to blaspheme your God? Because they watch you at work. They watch you in the neighborhoods in which you live in. They watch you as you go to the grocery store or to Walmart. And they watch how you treat other people. Or they watch how you treat your other spouse. Or they watch the sin that you do. And is, are, are the enemies of God blaspheming God because of your action. And let me tell you something. And if they are, what makes you think that you're going to get away with it any more than David did? The consequences will not be removed. Here's four points I want to give you as we close our thought today. Here's what I want you to see. You're the man. You're the woman. You say, well, I didn't do what David did. It didn't matter. You've done something else. It might have been an attitude. It might be slander. It might be adultery. It might be theft. It might be cheating. It might be this. It might be that. You're the man. You're the woman. Quit looking around at others and saying, Oh, I'm not like them. Boy, I'm a whole lot better than they are. Look at what they're doing. Quit looking around and look in the mirror and look at yourself and say to yourself, I'm the man. It's me. It's me. I've done wrong. That's the implication of the passage here. If you and I are going to find liberation from what ensnares us, from what drags us down, from what is destroying our lives, we've got to look and be real with ourselves and say to ourselves, I'm the man. Here's the other point I want you to see. Notice with me now. Here's the reality. Here's the implication. You have despised God's word and authority. We've despised it. When we make that decision to go and do our own thing, we have taken it and thrown it and said, it's out of here. It's not a part of my life. I don't need it for this. I need to do my own thing. And you've said, Lord, in this area, I don't need you. I'm just going to do my own stuff. Is that real, my friends? Because here's the other point. You are not exempt from God's judgment. How do you think God feels? When he watches us, thumb our nose at him, despise his word, when he gave his own son to die for us. And we sit back and go, I'm forgiven. I can do whatever I want to do. I'm forgiven. Do you think he doesn't get angry? That's the implication. That's the implication. You and I are not exempt from God's judgment in our lives. So that brings me to the final point. Just one word. Repent. Repent. Go to Him and say, I'm the man. I did what you saw me do, Lord. I have sinned against you. And listen, here's the wonderful thing. It's not like God's going to say, Oh, well, forget you. You. First John 1.9, is a very real passage, even in the midst of this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you know what? The only way that we're going to face liberation from the stuff that ensnares us is for us to be real about who we are. And let's quit pretending. We need to repent.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning.